Everybody, welcome to Frequent Flyer here. It is Friday, March 18, 2022, and uh, currently taking in the barn burner of between the Flyers and Zens. Uh, another game we're going to do live on. We did this for Sisterly Pod last week, and it seemed to be a hit, so I'll try it again. Ottawa's up 1-0. Uh, there's 16-23 left to go in the second. The first game in the post-Giroux era, kind of. He's still technically a flyer uh, as of 8, 11 p.m. here on Friday, but uh, his first game without him, and uh, it feels weird, not going to lie, watching the game, and you know, they've uh, over two in the power play. The power play is a bigger hot mess now than it was before, so, you know, going to be some uh, learning curves here, and this is something that we thought for, you know, the last few weeks anyway, that once Giroux and potentially Braun and Broussard and Jones are gone, this is going to be an even worse team than they already were, so, you know, we'll talk about all that more, a whole lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to get into here, pretty busy episode. But first, let me introduce my co-hosts, uh, as always, Manny Benavidez is joining me, Manny, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, gents. How are you? It was a very emotional day yesterday, but uh, we, we're getting through this. We're getting through this, and now the end is in sight. Trade yeah. deadline is just about here. We're almost there. A couple days left, and then uh, the real fun begins. Let's see where this uh, roster makeover is going to uh, take shape. And Mike, he does back. Mike, how are you doing? Good evening, gentlemen. Great to be with you, as always. Looking forward to discussing the topics of the evening of the week and this uh, this Claude Giroux saga here. You know, how we got here to be here. There's rumors swirling all over the place, so cannot wait to get into all that stuff with you guys. Well, <laughs> you know, all kinds of uh, different stories thus far. About who's going for what, who's doing where, who's offering what for Giroux. It sounded like Florida last night, and then everyone said, hey, why don't we pump the brakes on that? It may not be Florida. Colorado may be throwing their hat back in the ring, but it seems like it's a two-horse race at this point uh, between one of these two teams. And, you know, what thought was originally going to be a quick scenario, they'll get it over with right away, they'll move them today or tomorrow, be done with. Now it'll probably come down to, you know, the 3 p.m. deadline on Monday. We'll have to deal with this all weekend long. So, uh, you know, I, I know, Mike, you've got a lot of uh, strong opinions about this whole situation. So why don't you uh, take it away? Ah, oh, geez. Well, you know, I guess it's been... Okay, let me preface my, my little rant with this, is that I don't really care where Claude Giroux goes. He's going to go to a contending team, whether it be the Avalanche, the Panthers, seem like the likely two. If it's somebody else, they're going to be a contender. So... Nothing to worry about with him going to a bad team here. Um, the question that comes in here is, okay, what's the return? And that's when we start getting into what the executives are doing and how Chuck Fletcher has structured this process. 
And the thing that is starting to get to me, and I don't, you know, we don't know this for a fact yet. We're not in the room. We're not behind closed doors. But it seems to be getting a little bit too messy for my liking. When this whole thing started, you know, the whole thing was, okay, Drew's going to play his thousandth game. This was no secret that he was going to be leaving. And something probably was going to be teed up shortly after the thousandth game. We thought that was probably going to happen today. You know, we're full 24 hours past that time. And it seems messier now than it did before the game happened. And I'm like, well, why? Why is that? There was weeks of planning that went into this. Um, And right now, from what I'm seeing, there was um, some talk from Elliot Friedman today on SN590 talking about that. Colorado apparently has a better offer on the table for Drew than Florida, but Florida is Drew's preferred destination. And the Flyers are trying to get the Panthers to up their offer to closer to what Colorado's is. Um, And people are like, well, what's going on? I don't know. And (laughs) my problem with this whole situation now is, well, why are we at this point? Why is Drew saying yes or no right now? Shouldn't have... Chuck Fletcher gone to Giroux or or Pat Brisson, his agent, at some point over the past few months and ironed this out and said, look, what's your what's your destination? Let's give us a list of three, four, five teams that you'd be okay with, and we'll do the rest. I don't understand why Giroux is potentially involved now, vetoing trades here or there. Shouldn't we be past that point? That's kind of my main question now. How do you see it, Manny? Well, I mean, listen, on uh... – Elliot Friedman's 32 thoughts today. I, I didn't listen to the Sportsnet 590 here in Toronto. Um, but on his podcast today, he did say that he had uh, a, on good authority that Drew has selected Florida and that that's really where he wants to go. And if Elliot Friedman is reporting that, then that means that the Florida Panthers know that. And they're not going to want to uh, overpay or do anything of the sort. And I mean, I'm sure that Colorado is sitting there going like, well, what about us here? We have an offer, but I just kind of have a a bad taste in my mouth in terms of, listen, I I know he wants to go to Florida, but I mean, going to Colorado ain't bad. Everything that I've heard says Denver is a, you know, pretty nice city. Uh, People love going there The you know, good atmosphere, you know, good, playoff hockey is going to be, you know, a fever pitch there this year. They really think they can win the cup. I mean, I don't understand why there's this big, you know, hubbity boo about Florida versus Colorado. I don't know why you would just select Florida and pigeonhole the flyers in that sense. And I know that everybody's sitting there going, he has the no move. He just played his thousandth game, cut the guy a break. He's been here for a long time. He's earned it. I get all that. But at the same time, if you were to have asked me a couple days ago if he was going to come back to Philadelphia, I would have said, yeah. And and after yesterday and watching the ceremony, which, by the way, I'm going to give props. The Flyers did a great job on that Claude Giroux ceremony. They really did. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. It was poignant. It was elegant. And it paid homage and respect to the man and his family and his parents and everybody else. But I'm sitting here going, if you're going to just, you know, dig your heels into the ground and say it's Florida or nothing, I I don't know if I want somebody like that back next year, to be perfectly honest with you. And I, I know people are going to hate on me for saying that, and I don't want to, but you kind of got to suck it up for a couple of months here and go for your cup 
it's going to be a really good chance either which way you go and get the Flyers the best deal possible. He's there to do what he wants. He's got the no movement clause. He's not concerned about what's best for the Flyers moving forward. He wants to win a fucking cup. He deems Florida as the place to win a cup, and he wants to go to Florida. He holds. This is not like the Wayne Simmons thing where he had like a limited no trade or whatever, and they had to deal with Calgary that he nixed. You know, this is full on. Drew holds the cards. What's happening here, right? So, I don't know. I just. I don't think either offer is going to be anything over crazy. It's not like, you know, Colorado's dangling new hook and Florida's dangling, you know, Owen oh, Tippett or anything. It's going to be a mixture of picks and prospects regardless, right? So, I don't know. This whole, <laughs> this is one of those situations where, you know, I don't want this prospect I never heard of. I want this prospect I never heard of. You know, who the fuck is the guy in Florida, right? Uh, Mackie, some, some Skonovich, some Oskovich, yeah. some, Sko- some, 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 uh, fuck. I have no idea. I've never heard, but I didn't, I did not know there was a guy in this world named Mackie, some Skonovich before about 9 p.m. last night, you know? And going back when these whole Colorado rumors started and, oh, I don't want Justin Barrett. I want Drew Hellis and I don't want Samparanta. I want this fucking guy. It's just like. Fuck! You people have never heard of these players. You never Googled them. I had people fucking tell me, well, we can't acquire Justin Barron because it's going to fuck up York and Zmullen. It's like, <laughs> Barron is a righty, Zmullen is a lefty. Like, how about we Google these players before we fucking start yelling about them, mm-hmm. right? So at the end of the day, it's just, there's probably a lot of negotiating tactics here. Flyers realize that they can't screw this up. Right, you can't just give him. But at the end of the day, Drew does hold a lot of the cards with you know movement. So I think you are kind of screwed as far as trying to weigh your options or or look around at the negotiating table, right? Yeah, and the fact that I mean, as Manny mentioned too, the fact that it's out there what his preference is, I think is just bizarre. Like I, I don't remember seeing other players at trade deadlines like it getting this deep or detailed as to what the player's number one preference and only preference is. Now, who knows, too? I mean, Drew obviously has been very tight-lipped about this. We haven't really heard anything from him or the team on it. This is all kind of through the rumor mill and whatnot. So, you know, I would preface all this by saying, like, we don't know any of this for a complete fact. Um, That said, I do think that what Elliot Friedman says is pretty damn close to the truth, and I usually rely on him for, you know, giving us the true state of affairs. But I mean, again, like I was saying, I, I just I think that the team needs to be past this point as to what his preferences are. Like they should have had these discussions behind closed doors weeks ago. And this hierarchy is already worked out. And, you know, he's able to go to the teams that he has already predetermined are acceptable. There should be no reason why they have to go back and ask for permission again. You know, well, Colorado or Florida, which one do you like that conversation shouldn't even exist anymore. We should be multiple steps past that. And another thing that I kind of thought of, and this is, you know, me just kind of spitballing, but I thought that this could be an issue when we are getting to judgment day. And I think there is, you know, it's worth analyzing this is that. When you get in a situation like Claude Giroux is now as a high-profile athlete that's going to make a big difference as to where he goes to his new team, the GMs want to know what his plan is for next year. Obviously, the guy's 34 years old, but at the same time, this is not your typical 34-year-old hockey player. Claude Giroux still has several very, very good years left in him in this league, and it's important to know what he wants to do after this season. And there's basically one of three things that can happen. One, he signs with the Flyers or he says he wants to come back. Two, he wants to re-sign with the team he's traded to. 
Or three, he just wants to go to market and see what happens. And I think that Giroux doesn't want to make that decision yet. And obviously it's his right not to. But at the same time, in today's league, you kind of have to give GMs an indication because they can't make a proper valuation on on you at this point during a trade deadline if you don't give them some inclination as to which direction you're going to head. And I don't know, you know, if they've had that conversation yet. But to me, I think that that could be a big holdup here because depending upon which one of those three directions Claude wants to go in, that could vastly change the Flyers' return. They could find a way if he would sign a contract like immediately upon entry with the Florida Panthers. Maybe you could get more out of him, but I don't know. Trading away a you know a rental at the deadline seems relatively you know status quo. It's a move that happens you know multiple times every year, and obviously as you mentioned, Drew is not your you know typical uh, you know trade deadline uh, acquisition, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that go? I I think you could get more if he was willing to sign, but I don't know if that's necessarily going to hinder the value at the end of the day either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a tough question. I mean, I just kind of go back to the Mark Stone deal from a couple of years ago, and obviously Drew is not the same as Mark Stone. He's on the prime of his career, but I think that the principle is the same thing: is you have a very high caliber player that is going to play for at least another couple of years, and you know, which way that pendulum swings on where he is going to resign really impacts his trade value. Um, and, you know, I know Drew doesn't need to make that decision, but I'm sure that Chuck Fletcher, uh, Bill Zito, and Joe Sackick are really putting some pressure on Pat Brisson to get an answer on that end right now. Um, because I think it's important, uh, you know, what he wants to do with it. If he wants to say no, I'm going to market, I'm not going to make any commitment, that's fine. But I think that they kind of need to know a little more details if he can give. And I think that Drew should probably give those sort of details now. You know, like, let's do it. This is what athletes do. This is what star athletes have to make decisions on these things, you know? Atkinson yeah. tied the game, by the way. It's 1-1. Atkinson's 23rd of the season. How the hell does Atkinson have 23 goals? When the <laughs> hell did God. that happen? 23 goals, 47 points now for Cam Atkinson on the season. Sweet Christ. Sounds like we need more right wingers, guys, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Probably going, no yeah, but go, going back to what we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, if you were Claude Giroux and you were actually dead set on coming back to Philadelphia, wouldn't you want the Flyers to get the best return possible in order to set themselves up for the best offseason possible in order to come back here? Like that that's the thing that drives me nuts. And I, I think right now we're kind of in the middle of this hailstorm of there's information from Florida's camp. There's information from Drew's camp. There's information from the Avalanche. Adrian Dater was tweeting every hour on the hour. Well, I've heard that Claude Drew is gonna be pissy about being on the power play. So the Avs are thinking twice. And it's like, dude. Shut up. Like, what are, like, what are you? Like, are you his agent now? Like, are you working for Joe Sackick? Like, are you just putting stuff out there now to get that driving, you know, market value down? What are you doing? Be a reporter. Report the news. Don't give your There's opinions. one guy who's not a reporter. It's fucking Adrian Dater, all right? Guy's probably like, on a four-day crack binge right now. Like, <laughs> I mean, I swear to God, like, the guy was like, I would never give, Bris- uh, what's his name? Justin Biron and a first-round pick. And it's like, dude. Relaxed. Justin Barron is not a top 
pair defenseman. Okay, calm down. You guys have Bowen Byram. You guys are fine. You've got pieces out there. You want to win the cup? You go get Claude Giroux. Okay, look at what Calgary did. They went out and got. Yarncrock and Tafoli. Colorado has the fucking pieces to burn if they really wanted to. Yeah, I mean, look at what Tampa did today. They traded two first-round picks for nothing. For like a a, come on, middle six guy. Seriously, and and we're struggling here and trying to decide, you know, which two prospects we're going to get back for for Claude Giroux. Like that, that's kind of where it's at. And that's the frustrating thing is, is there's a lot of, we're in a hailstorm of, of all this information and different people are putting all these different things out for, for a reason. And most of it is to get that price down a little bit and to get a team like Colorado back in the mix or a team like Florida just doesn't want to pony up what is necessary to go after a a Claude Giroux and really go after that Stanley cup. And I think that's why I'm not putting much stock in all these rumors yet. Until the final deal happens and the gavel hits the table and the Ugh. sold has happened, I, I just don't see a reason to get worked up over all the rumors and which uh, prospect goes where. Like, let's see what happens first. You know, you never know. Florida is kind of weak in the prospect pool, but they do have some interesting names. <laughs> it's still very possible they could grab Mike's dream of Spencer Knight and flip Hart and for Dreisaitl. You know, that's not entirely off the table yet, I guess. But, uh, you know, and who knows? Anything's possible. Anything is possible yet until that final happens. And yeah, this is getting a little messy, a lot messier than it probably should be in this overall situation. But at the same time, I do think the Flyers realize they need to get the most for him and thus why they are leaving the table open to Colorado and, you know, any other team to swoop in last minute and potentially make a deal. So I don't know. We shall see. Sometime between now and Monday at 3 p.m., sure, we'll be traded and it'll be just a matter of... uh, you know what they end up getting back for. So here's a question for you guys. Um, And we've, you know, we've all seen a lot of trade deadlines come and go over the years. Is there a sweet spot for trading him? And what I mean by that is, you know, I understand the logic in not pulling the trigger too early, you know, weeks ago, perhaps, um, because the market isn't established and you want to make sure the teams get into a bidding war and prices get driven up and, that all makes sense, but at what point do you get too late in the game? You know, if we get to Monday and Giroux has not been traded yet, you know, are some of these suitors potentially just finding their players elsewhere or just backing off of this and not participating in the trade? And, you know, Chuck is left with one one potential landing spot, and that landing spot knows, hey, you know what? We're probably going to be okay without Drew, so you're going to take our shitty package or or leave it. You know, at what point does that sweet spot evaporate here? What you do you get, guys think on that? You get things like the Ben Sherratt trade, where they give a 2023 first round pick. You know, from Florida, a deal that you know, a pick that could be very uh, valuable in the acquisition of Giroux. So I guess it's just a, a matter of when the other deals happen. Probably sometime this weekend. Uh, you know, we're already starting to see him here on Friday in the last few days uh, trickle in now with some regularity. So most deals probably won't happen until Monday. It seems to be the trade deadline. You may get, you know, some of the bigger ones happening here. But I think the, the, the flurry of stuff starts happening on Monday. So, you know, probably as soon as possible at this point would be the uh, best time to move. I don't know if there's an overall sweet spot. Um, probably a couple days beforehand if you want the absolute best return before teams start wasting assets elsewhere. Like, uh, uh, again, Ben Sherrod. But, you know, I, I don't know if there's a... Uh, you know, specific uh, specific timetable. 
I don't know if this goes to Monday. I I, I think it's I think Sunday it's gonna happen one one way or another. I just find it interesting because you guys brought up Ben Sherratt. Isn't it interesting that Florida went out and took care of the Sherratt business first and then went mm-hmm. potentially for Claude Giroux? Because if the first round pick was the sticking point, you would figure that they would be using that first round pick for Giroux. Because I would have imagined that a prospect package to Montreal with you know a third round pick or, or whatever in there sprinkled in probably would have been good enough to land a Sherratt. But maybe not. Maybe the market for defensemen is just insane uh, this year. And uh, and that's just I, I just find it interesting that they went and took care of the Sherratt business first, which may, leads me to believe that maybe they're not so hot to trot for Claude Giroux anyway. Maybe they're kind of figuring, oh, yeah, Colorado is going to be the team. And then they kind of sprinkled in. They the, may yeah, see here. Giroux as the the icing on the cake rather than a definite need like Sherratt may have covered. Drew's like an extra piece versus Sherrod is like a necessary upgrade on defense. That's what I don't get about this whole situation with the Avalanche and the Panthers being the top suitors. You know, usually at the trade deadline, a lot of teams are trying to fill needs. They know they can compete, but they're trying to fill like a big need. These two teams don't need offense. Like they're two of the best offenses in the NHL. Why do they really need Drew? They need people on defense. So it's it's a little bizarre to me that teams like a you know like a St. Louis or like a Minnesota, um, you know those or even a Nashville, and I know there's cap implications on stuff, but looking at it from you know in, in just this particular filter, I'm not sure why these offensively loaded teams are looking for another guy like a Claude Giroux. That just that fact the kind Panthers of never are already scoring never over four them. goals a game on the season. It's like a four point like, one two average or something like that. That's insane. Yeah, like. I don't know why you need – yeah, I mean, would it be great? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he couldn't hurt. But at the same time, like, you know, that's that's a team strength. You don't necessarily need to sell the farm to disrupt, a, you know, a team strength. That's the it's, – it's just it's just really bizarre to me that you don't have other teams that are offensively challenged that could use a Drew that aren't at the top of the list. And obviously there's other factors, but it's just through that filter is weird to me. See, and that's where I'm. I'm really shocked that Carolina has been so quiet. Yeah, like they like you think about it. They had a really good team last year, and they got bounced relatively early. I think what was the second round? Yeah, I think second round. I think they got bounced, and I don't know. They just looked like they they're missing that killer instinct. They need that one more piece. I think they do need a little bit more uh, snarl in their game and a little bit more physicality, especially up front. But, I mean, I watched that game yesterday against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and they outplayed the Leafs. They just, the Leafs put in, like, two, you know, shitty kind of goals, and that was it. And then the the goaltending, and they played defense, and they kind of kept Carolina at bay. They need one more piece. Like, and that's a team that has, you know, prospects up the wazoo, and they've got draft picks and they've got everything at their disposal. If they really wanted to go, like that's also a, a good team that if you wanted to try to win a cup, I don't know why you would you would nix that. And, and from what we know, Boston, there was a, a deal that was nixed, and New York Rangers was a was a Drew just said he wasn't going to those two teams. So 
that kind of just leaves Colorado and, and Florida. But I'm wondering if there's room for another team to kind of swoop in here because I think you need a menage a trois. I think you need a third team in here to really start stirring it up and start adding some spice here to really get uh, these competitive juices flowing between these GMs. Because right now, I don't know, it's pretty stale. That would have been the team I put my money on a few months ago to get Drew with Carolina. But uh, yeah, they haven't uh, haven't done the rumors. Somebody else knows they haven't been like any rumors yet for anybody, which is yeah. uh, interesting. <laughs> So this is also an interesting question that I wanted to bring up was you look at the general managers that seem to be at play here. It's a, basically Chuck Fletcher with the Flyers, Bill Zito with the Panthers, and Joe Sackick with the Avalanche. And I think all three of them are, are extremely intelligent people. Um, but in terms of being negotiators, I think that Chuck maybe, if I had to rank them, I'd put probably Zito one, Sackick two, very close to, and Fletcher, like certainly a, th- a three on that list. Um, I I kind of get worried because I haven't seen Fletcher make a deal there. Not that he's you know has to fleece other GMs to be respected, but shrewd deals that you know were like oh yeah like he you know he really won that or oh that was a very creative approach that he did here. I haven't really seen that out of a Chuck Fletcher before, and I kind of it kind of scares me going into the situation because I think that from a negotiating standpoint, Chuck might be overmatched here. What do you guys think? I mean, Zito's not the guy you want to get in the ring with, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and certainly in this situation, I think he's probably one of the one of the better guys out there. So it's, you know, it's not ideal, but at the same time, I don't know. I, 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 I always feel weird defending Chuck Fletcher, but, like, I'm going to defend Chuck Fletcher here. And, 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 mm-hmm. and I just, I want to wait and see what happens. You know, we're already throwing in the towel on this guy. And the po- the the thing with this guy is he's in an absolute no-win scenario with the eyes of the fan base in this team. And I was talking about this on Twitter this morning. Like, no matter what happens, every single trade he makes, signing that's going to happen, roster move, whatever, it's not going to be good enough and people are going to be pissed off, right? The problem is you have Danny Barrett waiting the wings, who everybody loves, right? So you just want this guy to get the fuck out of here as soon as possible and move on. And, you know, no matter what happened with Ristolainen, like, whether they signed him 5x5 five five or 4x4, four four, or traded him for a pair of seconds or traded him for three firsts, somebody was going to be pissed off, right? Oh, this contract's all there to get enough from all they didn't do. And it's going to ha- exactly the same thing's going to happen in the Giroud deal. No matter who they get back, unless it's fucking Connor McDavid himself, people are going to be pissed off, right? I don't want this prospect. I want this prospect. You know, I don't want Justin Bear, and I want Sampo Ranta, you know. It's just, it's unfortunate that he's in this role, because I don't think he's nearly as bad as everyone says, and they're just, he inherited the, the fucking crazy train that was the Ron Hextall era, the, the train that was already off the tracks, and now he's, you know, been at the helm for a long enough where he's taken the heat for it, but, man, I don't know. It's just, he's in a real shitty situation with this Flyers team that isn't directly his fault. So I want to bounce off uh, of both of uh, your comments. So first of all, Mike, I agree with your ranking. Bill Zito, as a former agent, Mm -hmm. he's been in the lion's den. He's stared down how many GMs, probably every single one of them, at the end of a a negotiation at a a table and saying, you know what, this is what I want and this is what my client's going to want. This is the term. And he's been in those negotiations. He's been through those wars. 
So that's the guy that I would give as the odds on favorite in, in out of those three out of him, Sackick and Fletcher at the same time, Dan, your comments also ring true. Everybody does want to kind of throw egg on Fletcher's face and they want to see him fail. And, and it's weird because, you know, we're supposed to try to rejig something to be competitive for next year. And I mean, I don't believe that it can happen. And I know that you guys don't believe it can happen either, but we'll, we'll see what plays out. I'm certainly going to give the guy a, an opportunity here, but you're right. Danny Breer is waiting there. Everybody's kind of got the, uh, you know, their knives out ready to, uh, you know, show them the door. And at the same time you sit there and you go, this is a culture problem within this organization. And they've been on a downward spiral for some years now, and we've never really gotten our way out of it. I just don't think that Fletcher is the guy. He's a strong enough personality to be able to get us out of this quagmire that we're in. That's where I would trust a guy like a Bill Zito because all he, all it takes is for him to win one big negotiation or one big trade. And you can start to build on that and, and sort of claw your way out of this. And right now Fletcher with this Drew situation is not really in a position to kind of do that. He's kind of behind the eight ball. What position do we give Briere to succeed if we don't trust Fletcher in this current climate? I agree. What are the odds Briere comes yeah. in and, oh, all of a sudden he gets free reign from everyone. I He's think, out there and he looks like, you know, Steve Eiserman. You know, what, what, are the, what, are the, what are we really going to get out of Briere? And this is where I kind of wish he was already here. Because I wish he made the wrist line in extension. Because I guarantee you would not have gotten nearly the heat it did if Briere was the one responsible for inking that. You know? But I don't know. I, I just don't understand what... It's not like you got... You're, it's not going to fire Chuck Fletcher and you're going to hire Steve Eiserman, you know, or you're going to hire Bill Zito. You're going to hire... You're going to get rid of him. Hire Danny Boyer, a first-time NHL GM with rather limited experience overall. Still under Dave Scott in this shitty-ass front office. Like, what chance does he really have of being anything... Even if he's good. Even if he can be good. What are the odds he's going to accomplish it here? No, I, I agree 100%, Dan. I don't think that... Danny Briere, I think it has been groomed to be an executive with the Flyers. He yeah. just got a job as a special assistant, which I think is his exact title, to Chuck Fletcher. He is not ready to take on these levels of negotiations. He hasn't done it in the past. I mean, being the general manager of the Maine Mariners, you're not fucking negotiating anything remotely close to this. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, all you're trying to do is ice a relatively competent team. That's that's the only thing you have to do in that role. And obviously, there's a lot of things involved in that, a lot of responsibilities. It's important. You have to deal with other business needs. That's all great. But when it comes down to this level, this is at the highest level in sport. And if you think you can just insert a virgin Danny Briere to compete with a Joe Sackick and a Bill Zito, there ain't no fucking chance he's even keeping up with them. I mean, not even close. At least Fletcher has the background, has the experience. He, it is certainly possible that, you know, he can come out on top on this for sure. Um, but, you know, he's not even, I don't think Danny Breyer is even in the equation with these guys right now. I would agree. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, there's just no, I just, if it is a really ingrained culture problem, I just have to start to, to question whether or not Chuck is, has the ability to get us out of that and really do the things necessary to actually make some traction and get some movement on that front. That's, 
that's really where I'm at. And I, I don't think just... he can, but the problem with that is nobody can. That's one where you have to burn the whole fucking organization in the ground and start again, right? That's not just a one man at the top, remove him and change him. That's everybody at this point. The whole fucking crop is ruined. You gotta slash and burn and start again. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would agree, though. I do think there's a, a huge culture problem here behind the scenes that doesn't, uh, you know, it isn't in the full scope of the public eye, but it's clearly the thing that continues to linger and hinder them the most. Well, it goes back to, you know, what are they, you know, we've talked about this for years now, is what are they actually trying to do? You know, what is the goal here? Are you trying to get assets, future assets that can contribute in three, four, five years? Or are you trying to get players that are going to contribute now to win a cup with, you know, your prized centers of Couturier and Hayes? You know, like, what are you trying to do in this? It's like you got to figure out what your timeline is and stick to it. Honestly, if the Flyers are trying to retool and compete next year as Dave Scott insisted they would, they should be buyers at the deadline. They should be using this as an opportunity to bring in players that can help them win next year. And they're clearly not doing that. They're selling guys off, but they think they're going to compete for a cup next year. Like, it's just if you don't have any sort of structure or organizational direction, it doesn't really matter what you do with Giroux or with Justin Braun or Martin Jones or whomever, because nothing is ever going to match up. The puzzle is never going to get completed because you have no idea deal with the picture is supposed to look like and that's that's really what the problem is here and i think that chuck is caught in this cyclone of inability to understand what the actual end goal is here so he's just you know operating in the Giroux vacuum to get what he can but what he gets may not help the team for what dave scott wants it to be and i think there's always going to be that disconnect until there's a clear organizational vision which again goes back to this is just so paramount to how you run it run a team and and create a successful team and everything is going to go back to that vision and if it's not there all of these moves are going to be for naught at the end of the day. It's it's just ridiculous to me. I'm surprised they're not in on some of the rumors. You know, I, I guess Chicago's getting ready for their fire sale. You know, the Debrinket rumors are heating up, and Patrick Kane even, and shit yeah. like that. Like, the Flyers bring should be in Kane. on that. Yeah. The, Flyers the Flyers should bring in Patrick that. Kane. You yep. want to win next year? That's the kind of guy you got to bring in. What are you doing selling and not buying now? It's It just it makes no sense. And and I think part of it too is that the our our fans fuck you gotta love our fans sometimes. Oh not, yeah, I not, love our fans. Not for brotherly, not for brotherly pod and brotherly puck. I'm saying flyer fans in general. I mean, it's kind of confusing, and I do understand where some of them are coming from. I've had numerous responses from different fans going, "Why? Why do we want to get a 28th overall first round pick? Who cares? It does nothing for us for next year." It does nothing for us for the foreseeable future. I get that. At the same time, you do realize, though, that the Flyers don't have to make that pick, right? You know they can trade that pick in order to get somebody in here that you really that will make uh, your your peni wiggle. Like that's the whole thing. <laughs> that's the whole thing is you still need to acquire these assets. You still need to get those first and second round picks because if you don't, it severely hinders your ability to go out there and get the pieces that you need via trade. 
In other words, it's just going to be free agency. And the big problem that I have with uh, the, the game plan right now is it seems like it's just Johnny Goudreau or bust. Like, this is their plan. We're going to get Johnny Goudreau and everything's going to be fine. And then maybe we can convince G to come back and everything's going to be fine. And they're not addressing the fact that everybody got hurt this year. They're not addressing the fact that just some of these players just aren't living up they to what they're supposed to They don't want to address the fact that everybody got – that's their fucking bread and butter. Everybody got hurt this year. They'll be back next year and we'll be fine. Of course they're not going to address it. <laughs> if Goudreau hits the free agent market, he's here. Especially if they don't bring Giroud back because they need that yeah. hometown baby face to come back and you know save the day and be the poster child for a little while. I would assume if, if Goudreau hits the free agent market and Calgary does not re-sign him, which you know seems about 50-50 right now, um, I would assume he's here at, at whatever the cost is. Hopefully, get him a little cheaper. But uh, you know, <laughs> wants to come back and play in front of his uh, hometown and maybe get him at a little bit of a discount. But yeah, I don't know. And 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 listen, Drew's not the only one that we're talking about trade deadline here. You still have Justin Braun. You got Derek Broussard. You got Martin Jones. You got you know a couple other vets you may throw in there. You look at the market for defensemen. I mean, Ben Sherratt grabbed a first-round pick. Uh, Josh Manson got a second-round pick and Drew Hellison. Like, there's no reason not to hit a home run on this fucking guy. And all the, you know, some of the rumors, again, it's all just bullshit. But, oh, a fourth-round pick. You know, there's no way. I, I, I think a second-round pick at the least for Justin Braun should be what they're looking for in that one. Here's another question for you guys. Let's say that, that Giroux truly intends on just re-signing with the Flyers. Is this is this whole charade worth it? You know, like if they get a guy like, uh, you know, and any return, I guess, is a good one. You know, it's better than nothing. They're obviously not winning anything. But is this whole charade worth it for like Owen Tippett in a fourth round pick or something? You, need you to still get need to get something. Right? I, I've seen, I see that on Twitter. Well, if it's this return, I just don't want anything. It's like, no, that's not what you got to do. You got to get something back for the guy. But. You know, do they need to, you know, send them off in spectacular fashion like they did last night and then right. spend four days of negotiating whether you want Owen Tippett on your fucking roster or not? <laughs> no, probably not. This it may be overkill. <laughs> but I, I, I do think it's just trying to get the absolute best return. Whether that comes from Florida or Colorado, you know, I guess we shall see. But, you know, we, we uh... I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of the negotiation. It, it's just... <laughs> I think it's the first time in a long time that we've had to deal with something like this. And I'm sure this yeah. may happen regularly with at least a couple other teams at the trade deadline every year. And we're just not familiar with having to sell off a piece <laughs> this big. So it probably just feels weird. And, you know, the send-off yesterday, and, and we'll get into that at some point, I'm sure, in this recording. Um, but, you know, that was it, was... it was very well done, but it was like... <laughs> it's clearly the end. Right. It's, it, I can't imagine if they re-sign him in the summer and he comes back and says, oh, hey, guys, yeah, that send-off was great in fucking April. You know, how Gosh. you doing? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what they do with that. They need to get something for him. But I, I, I don't know if they need to spend, you know, all this time arguing over they want Mako Skamakovic, whatever the fuck the kid's name yeah. is. How the hell do you pronounce his name? Maximovic? Maki Samstar. Samoskovich. Samoskovich. Samoskovich? Samoskovich. I was trying today and I forgot. Yeah. Mackie Sam. That's going to make a hell of a jersey one day, so I hope he does the show up. But uh, Mackie Samoskovich. Samo- Samoskovich. He's fucking American, too, which is the crazy part. Oh, man. 
Connecticut. Yeah, he's from, he's from Connecticut. Yeah. He's from the fucking depths of the gulag Sandwich. with that kind of name. Huh. <laughs> Sandwich. Now I'm hungry. Sam Squatch. Sasquatch? Sasquatch? <laughs> Mackie. That's a hell of a name. Anybody with a name like Mackie, you got to bring him in. I think he got that, that first name nickname because his last name is so challenging. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. I was like, I was like Mackie. Uh, it's probably because nobody can pronounce your last name. Yeah, that's got to be it. His name's Matthew, I think. Matthew Samoskovich. Samoskovich. Samoskovich? Samoskovich. Fuck it. Who cares? Yeah. Somebody will pronounce a... it sooner or later. I guess I was reading a scouting report on him. I actually don't know a lot about him. I guess taken late in the first round last year. He's at university of Michigan right now. And I think he's one of those guys that apparently has all the skill in the world, but just hasn't realized how to put it all together yet. Ah, that's one of the, (laughs) can we talk about fucking Owen Tippett for a second? Yeah. Owen Tippett, a 2017 first-round pick that has struggled to transition to the NHL. Morgan Frost, a 2017 first-round pick that has transitioned. People fucking love Morgan Frost trying to convince this guy is fucking Wayne Gretzky Jr. Owen Tippett's in the exact same boat, and they fucking hate him. And I just find that that, that is hometown bias at its absolute fucking peak. Because you're getting a look at another prospect who's failing, but because we didn't draft him, because he wasn't a Hextall pick, nobody fucking likes the guy. <laughs> that's fucking fantastic. And he's big. He's not even that big. What, 6'1", 200? That's not big. That's just built. Fuck. We hate is- Owen Tippett. Why do we hate Owen Tippett? It's just the cool thing to do, right? Somebody says they don't want him that's above you, so we just have to fucking echo that. What are the odds anybody's seen this guy play? Slim to none. I'm a I fucking think, think- phantom season ticket holder, and I'm pretty sure I've only seen him a handful of times over the last five years. If that... Yeah, I- I bet you four people on Flyers Twitter have actually seen him play. I saw him play, but it was a couple of years ago because he was, he uh, played his junior hockey with the uh, Mississauga Steelheads. Yeah. And if, the sad thing is, is that Flyer fans would actually kind of like him. And I know that everybody's put their little side by sides with Wade Allison because they both have red hair, but he kind of, at least when he was in Mississauga, he would crash the net he had a you know pretty good shot. He would skate around, high energy. Like that's the only he just didn't get hurt a lot, like Wade Allison. It's like sounds like this is a guy that Flyer fans would actually like. Yeah. Just give him a chance. Right. But you know what? We're gonna bury him before the trade even happens. Which we don't even know if that's what the deal is. And you know, who knows? But people have to really stop with this. Let's judge all these people. If if you've never actually watched the guy play, you shouldn't really Let's let's let the people who have actually seen them play say what they think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was interested in uh, Grigory Denisenko, who was one of the prospects from the Panthers as well. He was drafted a couple years ago. I was pretty high. You know, I don't do a ton of prospect research, but that draft I did, and I was really high on that guy. And I was thinking I'd be really happy, at least from a you know fairly novice prospect person, I'd be really happy with an Owen Tippett and a Grigory Denisenko return. But from what I've read from some of the alleged insiders, Denisenko has been off the table, uh, which is kind of bizarre to me, though, because it's like if you're Florida, like you don't have any room for any more players on your team. You've got guys that are going to be there for a while. Yeah, you got a good team. So if the Flyers could maybe send a little bit, you know, Giroux extra or something to get back Denisenko with Tippett. I think to me that sounds like a really good return. 
Yeah, I like Denisenko too. The, the thing I remember from him with uh, the World Junior Tournament is he's got an attitude. Like he he plays with uh, a mean streak. So he's he he's not the same skill level as Malkin, obviously. But you know when Malkin kind of runs around and he starts throwing you know the elbows yeah. and starts jabbing people with this. That's what Denisenko does. And and that's something that I think that the Flyers desperately need is the yeah. guy that will yeah. run around the ice and just be a major prick to yeah. everybody that's on the opposing team. That's kind of the guy that I would want too. Yeah. Uh, to be perfectly honest, but and also has the skill too. Like he's not he's he's got he, he's got first line caliber skill to him. That's the thing that I think is great about him. Or we could just settle for Spencer Knight. How about that? That works. Yep. <laughs> uh, we'll compromise. Side, yep. How about that? That sounds good to be. Tip it. Yeah. Sam Squatch, which is fucking. How about yeah. Spencer Knight? Nice, easy name to pronounce. Good value. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There's definitely some. You know, I think that you know, like some permutation of that is great. But I haven't, I haven't heard Knight in any of the um, rumors. Doesn't mean it can't happen, though. I mean, if you're the Flyers. And the thing is, like, sounds like the Panthers are offering him shit. I don't think they're even considering Spencer Knight. Yeah, yeah like, right. like they got to get creative here. I, I was listening to um, uh, Dennis Bernstein from the Fourth Period recently on a on an interview, and he brought up a really good point uh, about how like NHL GMs are just not very creative compared to other leagues, like NFL and um, and the NBA. You see all these yeah. like really haywire trades and like highly creative packages and like NHL stuff is like so simplistic. Usually it's like, you know, the player deals are like, you know, it's one or two it's guys always underwhelming. When the hell yeah, was there a last time there was a true, honest to goodness NHL blockbuster trade? Yeah. Like real like creative, what? you know, Lindros? Like, <laughs> has anything yeah. crazy happened since then? Not that I could think of off the top of my head. Like get a third team involved and like, just go outside the box and like, Make something happen that really makes an impact on your team, not just bringing in, you know, one guy that kind of fits. Like, I don't know, like to me, like if you're Fletcher, you really got to try to get creative here. And if you look, if you really want a Denisenko or a Knight, then fucking make it happen, you know, throw in other players or draft picks or something in this and make it a really attractive package to bring back guys that you think are going to make your team better. Not just an Owen Tippett and a second rounder. And that goes back like, to them just adding in general right now as well. You should be buyers at the deadline as well. And, and if you can do whatever you have to do to get your hands on fucking Spencer Knight, you should make it happen. I don't know if they've got yeah. any fucking, you know, inner uh, <laughs> assets to, you know, wet uh, Florida's palate on that one. And their cap hit probably is in hell now with Sherrod. <sighs> but, you know, I mean, they could try. Make it happen. <laughs> I mean, look up Spencer Knight real quick for a second here, Dan, if you have a second. Yeah. It's like, you know, they obviously, if you look at Florida's goaltending situation, they've got Bobrovsky's at $10 million AAV for what, another like four or four five years? Four years, I believe. I mean, that's, that's significant. There's no way another team has taken that fucking contract at all. Bobrovsky so, has $10 million for four more years. Okay. And they then got what's Spencer Knight, Knight, who has one more year on his ELC at uh, 925K. Okay. And so, then they just signed to that other kid, the Mac Goodza guy yeah. at the beginning so, of the year. Who's the odd man out here? There's no way that Bill Zito's gonna give Spencer Knight, you know, like a three million dollar deal. They're not gonna spend thirteen million dollars on goaltending. Like, no team does that. It's just impossible. Even if it's, you know, like a low end thing or a bridge, it's still gonna be an absurd amount of money on goalies. So 
what do you do if you're Bill Zito? Do you keep um, uh, do you keep Bobrovsky? I think you have to because you can't get rid of him. So what's the point in spending all the money on goaltending when you can flip Knight for something else that makes your lineup better in a different area? So that's kind of why I think that they're at this, you know, that's an interesting crossroads that the Flyers should be trying to pick apart. They can always bring Bobrovsky back. I'm just I'm just looking. They've got dead cap money. They've got to pay Keith Yandel. Oh yes. Two point three points. million this yes. year. Five point four next year. One point two and one point two. Plus Barkov's extension kicks in at ten million dollars. Yep. Plus Carter Hagee's extension kicks in at four point one. Like if if the Panthers are gonna win, they gotta do it right now because the money gets tight. Uh, going into yeah. next year, they they should be one of those teams sparing no expense to uh, put a team on the end. Granted, they fucking already have a really good team, but uh, you know yeah. they should not be worried about you know which prospect is doing what because this is your year to win. That's even yeah, that's a great point, guys. It's like so back to what I was saying. How are they going to spend? You know, let's say you give Spencer Knight a couple mil on a bridge deal. You can't spend thirteen million on goalies if you're the Panthers over the next couple of years. Something's got to give. So the Flyers should take advantage of it. <laughs> Maybe that blank be... check money. We should we should take Scott Darling's uh, money back one point <laughs> two million for the next two years. Scott Darling, Jesus. So I know. Like let's let's make this thing happen. Like. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that Yandel goes in free agency, but then we we get on the hook for some of that buyout money that uh, that Florida's got uh, for the next four years, man? Or sorry, three years. I can tell you what. At the end of the day, there are opportunities with the Florida Panthers, given the outlook in their salary cap uh, structure over the next couple of years, that. The Flyers really need to take advantage of. Yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I know Colorado is going to be in a bit of a crunch, given that McKinnon is going to be due for a massive raise come next summer, and they've already kind of went crazy with some other players like Rantanen, Landeskog, and McCarr. So they're you know pretty top heavy on that end as well. But I just think that there's a little more immediacy with Florida's cap situation, and it it, it may just be easier to take advantage of them right now and. You know, even with a great negotiator, like we mentioned, like Bill Zito, he didn't Zito didn't get into a lot of these contracts that he's getting fucked with, you know, over the next couple of years in Florida here. But he has to manage them. And at some point, your hands are tied as a GM with a hard salary cap. There's nothing you can do. You can't spend 13, 14 million dollars on goalies. You just can't. So you got to figure out how to flip one of them and fill another roster spot. Or what about a guy like E2 Lusitarian? Pardon I think me? he's their, I don't know. He's their 4C, looks like, from what I can tell. He's on an ELC, <laughs> but he's going to be due a raise because he's his contract's up. E2 Lusitarian. I, I came across. Who the fuck? I, it, I know. I came across his name because <clears throat> the Carolina Hurricanes drafted him in the second round in 2017. The Morgan Frost draft, right? So, I don't know. That's a guy that, again, you need a center. Now, granted, it's going to be, he's in the 
bottom six for sure. Maybe even the the fourth line. Got nine but, goals and nineteen points this season. So that's what I mean. Like if you can get a guy like that, who's his entry level deal expires, the Florida Panthers are going to be hard up to. I mean, listen, he's not going to get a huge raise, but that's money again that they can save because Yandel's getting a big bio for next year on that uh, dead cap situation. Maybe that's a guy that you take in a, instead of Patrick Hornquist is still under contract for five point three next season. Holy shit! And oh, he's got a no no that's trade. That's a big one. Mm. Looks like it's a modified no trade, but he's still got a no trade. Sam Bennett at 4.4, Duclair at 3, Verhage at 4.1, Reinhardt at 6.5. Holy crap. Yep. It's expensive down there in Florida, man. I know there's no taxes, but now you know why everybody sells meth. (laughs) (laughs) That's up in the panhandle. Yeah, Yeah, that's the panhandle. (laughs) Should, should we talk about the uh, Claude Giroux uh, ceremonies yes, uh, that happened yesterday? Sure. We can wrap it up with that. Yeah, sure. I, I brought, brought that was That was the most electric that building has been in a decade. And it's not even close. And listen, anybody in the front office who's listening to this, I know you're fucking out there. When we bitch... When we complain about the shitty state of this team, last night is what it used to be every fucking night! Not just once in a blue moon where you had to give away half an arena's worth of tickets to make it happen. That used to happen every night. We all remember that, okay? Just because you didn't fucking grow up doing this dumb shit, you're buying millions of dollars for your speaker ideas. That's what it used to be. So when we complain, we want it to be like that Every night again. Okay? Okay? No more cease and desist to Dan the Flyer fan. Just fucking listen to me. Okay? I'm just trying to help. <laughs> but yes, very well done ceremony. You didn't fuck it up. The television broadcast did not fuck it up. Well done. You hit all the check marks. You got the silver stick. You got Bobby Clark. Fucking tell Lindros to get the fuck away from Val Camilla. What the hell is that guy doing up there? But beyond that, you know what? It was a good little night. Everyone was fine. You hit me right in my emotions. The black, cold heart of Dan the Flyer fan may have shed a tear last night. God damn it. Well done, you fucking idiots. Well done. You did one good thing right on the year, and you only had to give away, you know, 10,000 free tickets to make it happen. So well done. Mike, you go. What was your... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean... Bravo, by the way. Bravo. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to kind of get into any more detail than that. It, you know, very well stated, Dan. I think the Flyers did a nice job honoring Drew, uh, you know, given all he has done for the franchise, his years of service, his commitment. Uh, I think that it was a very, very nice, nice job by the Flyers. Um, no complaints on my end as well. Um yeah, and it did It did kind of feel like more than just, hey, you know what, go win a cup. It felt like this was, you know, the end of the Claude Giroux era, period. Um, I don't see other teams doing all that for a player that's, you know, going to plan on re-signing with the team for another three or four years or something. So it did, it did feel like a goodbye. I think that's also supported by the fact that Claude didn't entertain uh, any sort of contract extensions last offseason as Sean Couturier did, um, given they were in the same boat on the expiration of their current deals. So it did feel like a farewell. Flyers did a nice job. Um, yeah, and just echoing what Dan had mentioned about Lindros uh, with Val Camillo, they did <laughs> show him sitting in the suite with her. And 
I don't know about that. You know, I, I'm not sure. By the way, where the fuck was Dave Scott last night? I think that he was... I think I he had the runs see, and he couldn't be there. I didn't see him, but I did see somebody had tweeted <clears throat> me, one of our friends uh, on Twitter had mentioned that they did see Scott in one of the suites during the third period. So I guess he was present, which is fine stuff. I just thought that he probably would have been a little bit more visible. He you was know, in line to get a grilled cheese. He's a fucking owner. You think you'd be a little more visible for, you know, your franchise icons last game. Ding, ding, ding. By the way, Dave Scott did not know what the shift was when he was asked about that when he took over as owner, <laughs> yeah, uh, which right. was basically voted as the number one quadruple play of his entire career. So goes to show you how much Dave knows about this guy. But uh, Manny, please give us your commentary on uh, the events of last night. Well, I'm going to give props. I'm going to join. Uh, I'm going to join in the in the uh, festivities. Adulation. The adulation. Um, you know what? Kudos, Flyers. You did a great job. It was a proper ceremony. Uh, I didn't watch it live. I was listening to it on uh, Sirius XM while I was driving to my brother's house to watch the Leafs against the Hurricanes game. And then when I got back, I watched it from the beginning. Everything was really well done. The silver sticks were great, especially the ones that you gave to Jeru's kids. It was great that you had his parents there. It was great that uh, you had the team photo. You know, everything. Everything was great. Bobby Clark was there. Everything was wonderful. Even the scheduling. When I saw on the itinerary that the puck drop was slated for, I think it was 716. Yes. I think they actually dropped the puck at 717. Yes. So it was like timing everything was bang on like it was well done well done to the flyers yes you guys did a great job you did so congratulations to everybody and i since i gave you guys props i brought some props as well Uh oh so i this is going to be lost on our podcast audience because there's no visual so maybe you guys can actually uh, describe uh, what you see so as i as i watched uh, the ceremony yesterday it's about a three-foot dildo. This is a family show. Why are you bringing out a dildo? No. <laughs> so this is a, a box of tissues. Fantastic. Yes. Box of tissues. And then... Uh... Another dildo? No. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like a candle that you've, that you've just blown out. That's right. Uh-huh. That's the lube. Lubriderm. <laughs> a squirt bottle of Lubriderm. <laughs> it's the worst game of Pictionary I've ever seen. And then, and then some baby wipes. Because you know what? <laughs> the the tears are now over. The tears are now over. And now I'm just excited to get... We've passed a milestone in this season. Now it's about the trade deadline. Let's get excited again. Let's try to get as much back as we can for some of these assets. And let's see if we can actually get something else to talk about here other than just Claude Giroux. He's been a good player for this team, a really good player. And all the best, G. Uh, you know, wherever you go, I, I want you to win that cup, wherever it is, whether it's Colorado or Florida. But I'm just kind of excited that uh, we're going to be able to, you know, see some some pieces move here now and start to get an idea of what's to come and what's going to be happening in the off season. Yep. It'll be, uh, 
once this trade happens, we can all just move on with our lives. You know, it's time to focus on getting through the last, what, six weeks of this shitty fucking season. Especially once they move Drew and Braun and fucking Lord. It's only going to get worse, so just get ready for that. But, uh, yeah, time to focus on the offseason, make some real additions, split this fucking team, and, uh, you know, try again next year, I guess. But, uh, I guess we'll, uh, wrap it up here, at least for part one. And, uh, at Dan the Flyer fan, at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pod. Plenty of shit up on the website. I'm fixing the voting, everybody. I realized that the deal and no deal thing is not working. I am apologize. I'm, I'm working on it. God damn it. Stupid webs, like, fucking kicks me in the nuts at every available opportunity. Uh, Manny! You mean all those votes that I put in didn't work? No. I voted too. What the hell? Yeah, those are those are actually really good. It's interactive. It's fun. It's I, cool. I I challenge all the uh, listeners go onto the uh, the site and vote for your favorite trades or trades that you would do or wouldn't do. But if you want to yell at me for whatever reason, everybody on Twitter seems to be doing it at Manny Benavidez, uh, and of course articles up on BrotherlyPuck.com. Mike, you can find me on Twitter at flyer underscore af. Af stands for as fuck. Uh, no, it stands for authentic fan. Well, one of the two. Anyway, find me there, and uh, and let's keep going, Flyers. Let's keep this train rolling. I don't want to tell everyone. Um, um, all right, everybody. Until next time. I, I've done this 500 times now, and I still can't fucking figure it out. All right, everybody. Until next time, goodbye and good night.